The Restless Midlifer podcast. Get health, weight and life back on your terms. Episode 86 of the podcast. Now, this week is a follow-on really from last week, which was a, an FAQ stroke feedback session where I was talking about some key questions. thing was, last week I spent a bit of time on two key aspects, which I think are really important to consider. One is where does motivation and willpower play into our efforts in terms of achieving particular health goals or weight loss goals, um, and did any goal, I guess, um, and also what are the four levers of weight management? And both of those I explained in a lot more detail last week, but the point of them is, how do we see and use willpower and motivation in the context of our journey and not rely on them as solely the driving mechanism to get us through? And I likened it to the being the first gear in a car. You know, that first gear is there to get you started, to maybe slow you down or to sort of pull away from traffic lights, that kind of thing. It's not there to be driving perpetually. And the four levers of weight management really is to try to strip away a lot of the myths, the religion, the confusion, the shoulds, the coulds, all of that around um, diet and just come down to well what is the basic what's the basic foundational thing of the mechanism for weight loss not the other stuff the psychological the emotional all that which is what a lot of what i deal with um but the point of it is to strip it away and then to look at what levers can we pull and to what extent and how does it how do we pull them in a way that suits us in a sustainable way so that we can achieve that longer term consistent weight loss and then weight management so, because I spent a bit of time on those, and I think they justifiably deserve that, I thought I'd use this week to pick up on a few other questions that are still there. Some smaller ones, and there's one that I want to spend a little bit of time on again. Um, so, let's get into those. Um, first question is, um, it's not so much a question, it's, it's a tactic really that I found useful for clients. And um, uh, what one recently in particular, we were talking about how do I deal with... Um, you know, I've made a mistake. I'm, I'm kind of managing my diet, but I've had a, a, a weekend where friends were down. Um, you know, I know that it's always going to be a weekend when I eat a bit more and drink a bit too much, etc. But you know what? We had a fair bit and I feel like I've just totally blown my diet. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of wanting to beat myself up. And how do I, how do I get past that? Uh, that kind of feeling and, and get back on track and I think this is a really good point now, I have talked about this in previous ones and you'll find some of these snippets in um, my FAQ section on the podcast midliferesheared.com stroke forward slash that is uh, FAQ and there's one on there you know I've, I've um, something along the lines of I've had a setback how do I get back on track so I talk about that as well there but one I really just want to talk about very quickly about a phrase that I think can be useful and it ties very, it might seem simple, but it ties really into the importance of how we treat ourselves. Because I've said before that it's a bit like addiction in a sense, although not necessarily addiction truly, but um, there is a difference between a lapse and a relapse. So when we're trying to maintain and manage a particular pattern of actions, behaviours, eating, exercise, activity, we can find that we can be doing well until something tips us off. And, you know, there is a choice or a, a, a thing there that can lead to a lapse, uh, a kind of a moment where we say, right, okay, that was that was what it was. It was, you know, there was lots happening. I got carried away with the moment. I'm going to get back on it. Versus a relapse, which is where that lapse spins out into past behaviors, putting on hold, forgetting about, feeling like, what's the point of going back to, I've just ruined it type of thinking. So that lapse relapse is interesting and important to note the difference. And it's how we treat ourselves at the point of lapse that is critical. Because if we start to treat ourselves critically and harshly, we can often start to tell ourselves 
untruths really about how much damage we've done, how useless we are, say I told you so, why not, why bother, etc. So it's how we treat ourselves at the point of lapse. And there's a little phrase that I got from a friend of mine, Felicity Breed, uh, just in conversation because we meet every so often and have a coffee and it was it was quite a simple little phrase and I've thought about it a lot and it seems to resonate with um, not everybody but some clients in, in a way of self-talk and the phrase is, oh well, that's two words, oh well, and that phrase captures a lot and it's I'm going to have an all well moment so let me ex explain what that means is at the point of a lapse you know the, this client who's had that weekend they've had a heavy weekend it's been fun but they're feeling rough they're feeling hard on themselves you know drank too much eat too much feel like they're they've undone a lot of good work feel like ugh, I, you know I, 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 this is going to happen all the time this is me I'm useless etc the phrase all well is a way, is a reminder to think, okay, oh well, it's one of those moments, it's one of those things, it's one of those things. And it's a way of depersonalizing it. So it's a simple phrase and you might find another phrase is useful. The point of those kinds of phrases are hooks, they're memory hooks to remind you that actually in that moment you have a choice. You have a choice to be compassionate yourself and to learn from whatever the situation was to, you know, maybe next time it's a case of, we have a conversation with the people we're meeting up with or whatever. There's lots of things we can do. Um, or maybe next time I just enjoy it and take off the pressure, but build around it to compensate. Um, but that all well gives me the chance to talk about that from a pragmatic, practical term and a compassionate term but versus oh, typical. See, what, see what's happened. You're useless, all that kind of thing. And it's the difference. So the phrase all well is just my take on it courtesy of uh, Felicity uh, in a totally different context if I remember rightly but uh, using it and I thought it was a, a useful way of capturing and, and framing that self-compassion let's move on and learn from it so if you have a particular day where you feel like you've totally blown it or whatever then oh well it oh well it oh well that day that moment that meal that decision that choice and get back on to things because that all well signifies the ending, the, the closing of that mistake, that moment, that whatever, and the moving back onto whatever the processes are. And if there's any other phrases that you use that are similar, I'd, be, I'd love to know because I'm kind of always looking for little memory hooks and things like that that can help you get back on track quicker. So anyway, that was a quick one. Another one, um, and I think this was, I'm just looking at my notes, Mark from the uh, US, I think, Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. So I haven't got my glasses on, so I'm looking. <laughs> um, I don't get many from America, so I should remember that. Um, but nice to have a, a listener in America, to be fair. Um, anyway, uh, Mark asks, um, I like your approach. I like the idea of sustainable, uh, compassionate to yourself, sweat the sprouts, get that. This is not his language, this is me kind of summarising his, his email. Um, but what do you what do you make of the, the David Goggins and Jocko Willink approach to... Uh, Getting it done, doing it, just do it anyway, you know. Um, stay hard, as David Goggins is, is famous for saying. You know, that kind of thing. Getting up at, is it 4.33, I think, uh, Jocko Willink does to do his workout. He always puts some, a photograph of his watch on Instagram, 4.33, 4.30, whatever type. Let's go get some type of thing. Uh, what do you think of that um, in terms of a way? Because it seems kind of really counter to your approach, Dave. Um, so for those of you, if you don't, firstly, if you don't know David Goggins and... Um, the Jocko Willink and, and other people. They're probably the, well, in my sort of awareness, they're the most famous. They're former Navy SEALs um, with um, some pretty exceptional reputations for just being warriors, tough, hard, you know, exceptional people. The military special forces, you know, certain kind of mindset and, and, and what have you there. 
that you can only but admire and aspire to in some some ways. Um, so it, it, check them out if you're interested. Uh, I think David Goggins wrote a book called uh, Can't Hurt Me and uh, Jocko Willink, uh, can't remember the name, it's something leadership. Uh, I, can't remember, I can't remember the title off the top of my head. But the point of it is, how does that clash? Does it sort of contrary to what I what I teach or what I, how I work? And I would say yes and no. Firstly, yes, because I'm not a Navy SEAL. I have no idea in terms of that mindset. I'm just not that kind of person. I'm definitely less warrior <laughs> than I am just day-to-day bloke who, you know, has me on little battles, etc. But I'm, yes, I'm determined, etc. But I'm definitely not in that frame mindset. So no in that sense. But yes, in the sense that I I like their stuff. I don't necessarily, I don't think I've found much that I disagree with or or find isn't right in, in the sense. I think the question is not whether I find it's right or what have you, because I quite find them motivational and inspirational myself. And certainly would I like to have a bit more determination, gut and grit than they, that they have? Absolutely. But the question is, I suppose the real the question that comes down to is, does it work for you? Because this is the thing with I think with all forms of self development, personal development, improvement, or any problem solving approach to it is, how is it working for you? How is it serving for you? Does it work for you? Because there's no doubt that their mindset, their approach will appeal to some people and will work and does work. I've seen testimonies. I've seen people who've responded to it. But that's the same for anything out there. Any plan, approach, diet, or whatever. Um, any kind of mindset thing, it'll work for some people, but it won't work for everybody. And the question, and this is where I guess I have to come back to, well, what does that actually mean? Because I think when we buy into a particular person or a style or a diet, and this might include buying into my approach, um, you know, that you might think, oh, that makes sense, etc. that you buy into it, you do it, apply it, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, or it works for a certain amount of time, but isn't sustainable, the, the what tends to happen is that you turn it on yourself and turn it like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I? I'm just not strong enough. I'm not warrior-like enough. I'm not tough enough, hard enough, etc. Now, from their perspective, maybe they're looking at you and think, well, no, you're not. But park that aside, because I think that's where the problem is. Because it either works or it doesn't. It's either right for you or it isn't. Now, if the David Goggins or Jocko Willink approach is right for you and it works, go for it, fill your boots. That's what it's about. My thing is, but test it out, try it. I've come to learn that over the years of trying all sorts of variations, that kind of thing, that actually that's not the sustainable way for me and actually does more harm than good in terms of the psychological and emotional turmoil, stress and strain. And that is where in the past I've turned it on myself and beaten myself up for being useless, weak, pathetic, all that kind of thing. Rather than just stepping away and go, oh, it's not me. I'm not that. If the world was made up of David Goggins's and Jocko Willinks, it might be a very tough, hard world, but it'd be a tough, hard world. And the world's tough and hard enough as it is. We need warriors. We need people like that. Yes. But we also need a wide range of people. And we need a range of skills, emotions, tactics, thinking, diversity, and all sorts of ways. So... Instead of beating myself up for it not being right for me, and perhaps you, and that's including if you see my, try my stuff, my approaches, and you find it's not you, it's not you, it's me. It's that, that classic line. Um, that's a bit of a cliche line, but you know what I mean. It's that kind of step away and go, okay, so that doesn't work for me in its format. What can I take from it? What could be useful? And how can I build my own approach? Because that is ultimately what it's about. So for me, I, I 
check in on David Goggins and, and Jocko Willink. Have a lot of respect, a lot of admiration for them and other people. There's a lot of other characters. I'm actually, funny enough, I'm actually in the process of arranging to get a Navy SEAL, a former Navy SEAL, onto the podcast. Um, just arranging that with the time differences. Probably December might be airing in January, February time. I'm not sure. But the point of it is, and he has a different perspective, I'm guessing, from his bio that, that uh, when we've done the initial exploration um, sort of connections. But the point is, it's about being you. And this is the journey that the restless midlifer is on for me, is we spent a lot of our life being somebody else or living up to other people's expectations, other people's ways, building a life for other people. Yes, for us, but not being clear about what for us means or who we are. And it's about now taking back that control and building the life for us, testing things, taking things, seeing what works, ditching what doesn't, and being okay with that. Being okay with letting that go. Oh, that's not for me. So... Coming back to it, um, I like this stuff. Some of it I quite like, the odd tactic here and there. I can't think of anything off the top of my head just now, but um, pick and choose, useful. Pick and add to your grab bag of tools. Pick and choose and add to the things that are useful for you, but only shape it for you. And this is, I guess, although I have some approaches and principles, and yes, they're rooted in research, I want to allow that flexibility around and on top of that so that you make it work for you. You develop your own plan. You develop your own vision, your own goals, your own sprouts and habits. You go for the big challenge if you wish. You go all out. You do what you want. But ultimately have that pragmatic part of you that says, okay, how is it working? How is it serving me? How is it serving me in the bigger picture of my life as well as for that particular goal? What needs to change? What do I need to learn? What have I learned? All those questions mean that we stay humble, stay flexible. We don't buy into things that can mean we're rigid, um, inflexible, and ultimately can cause more harm than good if we are so stuck in those ways because only don't about you restless midlife is also about having an adventurous spirit and enjoying it enjoying the journey i don't want to be thoroughly miserable fit us out and having a six-pack but be thoroughly miserable i don't want to be that person and if that's what i have to be in order to have a six-pack no thank you now if i can have the six-pack and be enjoyable great but there are, I'm learning the ways that I want to do to move in that direction. I don't necessarily want the six-pack, but I would like to have uh, shift the last few pounds, as I say, my operation team noob. But I'm doing it my way with certain principles that I've developed for me. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. So I guess a long way around that answer that question. I hope that clarifies it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So nothing against them. Just pick what works for you. Um, yeah, oh, I guess the, the, this other question is, what do you think of this positive, what, what's your take on positive thinking? Um, again, I haven't got my glasses on, I don't think I wrote the name down of this person, but so apologies for that. But positive thinking, what's your perspective on this? You seem like positive, but also deal with some of the negative stuff, that kind of thing, remember the email. That's an interesting one, because I think this is one of the challenges with self-development, um, popular psychology around self-help, you know, all this pop stuff around it, even into the more spiritual side. I'm not necessarily against the spiritual side. I think it's about what works for us and what, what can move us to that deeper connection with life, each other, uh, enjoying it, bigger powers out there if there is, or bigger powers inside, whatever. Um, but what do I, how, what's my take on positive thinking? Well, I guess it's informed in... A pragmatic kind of view, I guess, in that I struggle with just believe, just um, 
believe it and it'll happen. You know, some of you may well have heard of the law of attraction type of thing, you know, where you visualize it, imagine it, you can bring manifest it into reality. Some of you may be thinking, what are you on about, Dave? And if you haven't, fair news, you feel free to check it out if you wish. Um, but the point of it is that um, that side of it, um, I, I'm respectful of people's beliefs and what have you, but I don't, I struggle with holding those beliefs myself. So let's put it that way. In that, um, I suppose my life, and somebody who's strong in the believing in the law of attraction will say, well, you've attracted this into your life because of your beliefs. But in my life, I've been a police officer. I've seen bad things happen to good people for just bad luck reasons. I've seen bad things happen to randomly um, as a result of decisions and all consequences. There's been all sorts of things. But in life, I've seen lovely things happen to people i've seen some dreadful things happen to people and um do i believe that they've brought it on themselves through negative thinking or positive no i don't um and i think that actually there's something uh, morally perhaps wrong in that for me in thinking that the point of it is and there is actually a theory actually called the just world theory now that i think about it which talks about how we as human beings are orientated towards believing wanting to believe being driven to believe that the world is just now, you can think of plenty of examples where it's not, and there's a lot of unfairness, but that if I just work hard enough and I do the right things, it'll pay off. And that seems to be some a powerful drive in, in us as human beings. So that when we see injustice or see somebody suffering, there may be an inclination, a drive there, to want to almost blame that person for their circumstances. Now, sometimes that's the case, but often there's a lot of past trauma, experience, bad luck within those things. So it's being aware that there might be a psychological drive towards some of those beliefs. Anyway, I'm kind of drifting off, but the point of it is that when I talk about positive thinking, I distinguish between delusional thinking and aspirational thinking and pragmatic positivity. Now, delusional thinking is perhaps on that more extreme end of just think it and it will appear. Um, and I'm probably doing a, a real injustice to the law of attraction aspect there, actually, when I, you know, I'm sure somebody would probably correct me on that. But aspirational thinking, I think, can be really powerful and useful. I, I hope to be, I really would love. I think there's something really positive and wonderful and freeing in allowing ourselves to think of that. Not just because it's exciting and fun. Who who hasn't talk, spoken to friends about what, what you'd do if you'd win the Euro millions and, and how, who would you help out? How would you pay off the mortgage going blah, 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 blah. Isn't it fun? But I think there's a practical benefit in aspirational thinking. If we can take off the restraining bolts, as we Star Wars reference for the, the, the um, episode, we take off the restraining bolts and just allow ourselves to be aspirational because how many times do we stop ourselves from even dreaming bigger because, um, oh, I've got to get real. It'll never happen. And the self-talk will limit us. So I believe that in allowing yourself to just be more aspirational, daring to have those ideas and dreams and thoughts, and getting unrealistic, getting silly, getting whatever about them, but knowing that it is aspirational. And at some point, it's going to say aspirational or delusional unless we look at, right, what, yes, that's what I'd like. How do I bring it back to something pragmatic that I can do towards that? Now, it may be that, um, you know, in terms of translating it back, I can move in that direction. The actual aspiration may be unachievable, may not be, depending on what that particular goal is. But... There may be something in that. There may be something that, what is the seed of it? What's the essence of it that I can capture in shorter term practical goals or in the here and now? Because, you know, wanting to be a millionaire. Well, if I had a million, it's just an example. If I had a million in the bank, I'm a millionaire. I'm not, by the way, but 
this I'm a millionaire but what does actually what does it actually mean to be a millionaire what does it give you what freedom or what other things does it give you if we draw it back to well actually just give me a freedom of choice now I, I would relax I would be less stressed and chewed about well those are things that perhaps I could bring about more realistically without having to achieve millionaire status so I think this is the difference between aspirational can allow us to just explore those those qualities those facets those things that the essence of that we can perhaps bring into right how can i bring that about now how can i be that now how can i work towards that now in shorter term more practical goals and that's where practical pragmatic positivity is 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 it for me because practical pragmatic positivity is about thinking about right where am i now where would i like to be what is the problem or the setback or the challenge or the the experience i'm having now that isn't great it's sad bad whatever what is it now and what can i do to improve it or move towards where i want to be and that for me is practical positivity pragmatic positivity is what can i do acknowledge the things i can't but question those because the can't could be generalizing and, and close us down there may be things you can actually do but we kind of automatically say i can't but the point of it is to to to, to focus on what i can do and what i will do to move towards the goal or to step away from or to move past grow from beyond etc the the situation i'm in now and for me that's what pragmatic positivity is about because um there's a difference between positive that that the optimistic pragmatic approach than pessimistic and even decent defeatism because it's all about raising the chances of the better outcome happening now if we step away from the magical thinking around the law of attraction um, type of stuff then the pragmatic thing is if i adopt right okay things are crap now i'm really stuck i'm in a lot of debt relationship blah 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 whatever those situations are then i am not going to help my situation by being def uh, by falling into allowing myself to be defeated and, and this is easier said than done so this is a thinking process as well but allow myself to fall into that and to effectively give up and accept my position because then i'm relying on really the chance of luck or somebody swooping in to save me and chances of that happen, well, in my experience, it doesn't happen. Um, but if I'm in that same situation and I think, okay, right, I am where I'm at. What can I do? What are my options? What are, can I aim for? What's the aspirational thinking that I could work towards? And let's move into some practical positivity. It doesn't guarantee. There are no guarantees. But what it does is it raises the odds of me achieving, at least moving away from this thing and moving towards the goal. And actually, the action and moving in that direction, moving with a goal and purpose and, and, and effort can really raise, significantly raise the chances and the odds and move us powerfully in that direction. So that's, I guess, what I mean by or think about po po pragmatic positivity. For me, positivity can be delusional, as in we deny the reality. And therefore, by even by doing that, like if I'm in a lot of debt, I could be positive about, well, I'm OK, it's fine, it's fine. And actually, it's only going to get worse, isn't it, if I don't confront the reality. So that side of delusional move away from and deal with the pragmatic positivity and that's really what a lot of what i talk about in terms of well coaching clients but talk about in the podcast is okay what do we want who do we want to be who are we what has life taught us that we don't want in life and who we don't want to be and how do we want to change and then how do we translate that into practical small significant action sprouts to sweat that we can do and will do that will make a difference consistently all the time that's pretty much where i'm at so that's what practical what's what positivity positive thinking means to me um so anyway and i think there was um oh yes the, the, the final one was the that i want to talk about was something that comes up with clients 
Um, when I, particularly, I guess, when we are looking at starting a journey in terms of weight loss, working together, it might be that they're already on the journey, but we're starting to work together, or that somebody is, they're, they're moving between a phase in their weight loss journey. So I like to, to sort of roughly categorize, contextualize the, the, the phases of a journey that we, are, we can go on when we're losing uh, on that weight loss journey. Um, I did have three phases, um, but in my interview with Rob Baker a few weeks ago, uh, check it out because Rob, um, it was a great podcast. Um, it's uh, Job Crafting, Ultra Running and The Power of Chunking was the title, but it was episode, I can't remember the name of it. It was 83, episode 83. Um, we talked about it and I run this, ran this by him and he suggested a fourth phase. So I'm going to introduce that and it's actually a prep pre-phase if you like. Four phases of weight loss, and this is not a, a psychological model of proven thing. It's just a way of conceptualizing that you may relate to in terms of where you might be or have been on, on the weight loss journey. Four phases are getting to the start line. That's the one that Rob kind of helped me suggest, and I think is a really powerful one. So getting to the start line, and that, that phase is everything that goes on that leads us to the point of, I've got to do something about this. I've got to get on with this and start making changes otherwise. So for me, that pre-phase, and I actually have a prep phase sort of process that I work with clients on to get our heads in the game and get thinking and food for thought as pardon, but as we start to embark on the journey. But that prep phase, if you like, that pre-phase is how do I get to the start line? And that pre-phase is all about starting to tap into what, what are my fears around and what are my frustrations day to day with my current state? What are my ultimate fears if I don't change this? And what are my hopes and aspirations? What would I like to see change? What do I really want? So aspirational thinking, going back to that. The point of that is to start to tap into the unspoken emotions that are just surfacing, that might be coming to our attention because we've um, somebody said something, we've seen a photograph of ourselves, or we've had a, a wake-up call with the doctor when you know some results come back. There's a lot of different ways that that can happen. But the point of it is, it's the art, the actual conscious surfacing, the rather than denial, rather than being overwhelmed and beating ourselves up. It's about a conscious process of building that into something that gets us to the point where we say, right, I'm going to go on this journey. So for me, that first phase is indicative of we're not actually necessarily doing anything. We've dabbled, we've tried, but we're not actually concertedly taking on this challenge. We'd, we really want to. We're kind of trying to just get to the point where life's too busy, etc. And I think that's useful to recognize because that may be you and may have been you for a while, um, but you just sense, I oh, know I'm going to have to do something. And I think this is particularly relevant at the time of recording, as we're going into November, December time, or December time by the time this airs, that um, we talk, often we'll start to put that fresh start, that new start into the New Year's resolution. Now, I'm not I'm totally anti-New Year's resolution, but I guess we all are aware that they tend not to last. So it's it's okay to think about that. That might be the start line. But part of the prep phase is to get our head out of just the pre, just mulling and uh, servicing the emotions and starting to turn it and shape it into, right, I'm going to make a start. And then we have what are, called, what are the next phases, which were my original three phases. And this was just a way of kind of looking at where are you at with your journey? Sorry, where are you at with the amount of weight you might feel as after you lose? And where are you at in terms of your journey, your levels of motivation, your optimism? How long along the journey of the grind are you? How close to the finish line are you? How far away from the start are you in the middle ground? That kind of thing. So the three phases are there. The, and I've roughly categorize this into weight, stones weight, but it could be less, it could be more, depending on how much weight to lose. But you kind of get the idea, I think. The the, the pre-phase, just talked about, the first phase is that first two or three stone. 
maybe three or four storm. That first period, then there's the middle two or three storm, that middle or three or four storm, depending on how much, the middle ground, that middle part of the journey, and then there's the final storm. Might be final two storm, but the final storm. And I've talked about that last week actually, about how that, that has its challenges. Now already you may start to see that there potentially are differences in what challenges we might face. Ultimately, we're still trying to maintain throughout that energy in, energy out imbalance so that we can get that weight loss down towards where we need it to be to get to the goal we needed to get. But it's not about that. It's so, that's the foundational or basic, but it's so much about what goes on in our emotions, our mind, our mood, our self-sabotage, the motivation we have, all of these things count. And really we need to factor it and they change as we move on the journey. So that first phase is about that first few stone. And this might be your first few stone, second or third time round. And that does have a play in it as well because many of us at midlife age it isn't the first rodeo it isn't the first time around of embarking on this we may have just done i've worked with a few clients where this is the second third time round, and it's it's dealing with that feeling of soul destroying feeling of oh, I, I did so well and i put it back on and what am i like and how you say all of that kind of stuff and getting yourself back to the start line and on to it again so that first phase can be a mix depending on whether it's your first time second time or third time round. But often what characterizes it is that when we start again onto or start, there is that there is a stronger sense of motivation. Uh, willpower may be a bit higher because we've had the, we've had some sort of wake up call or something that's motivated us. We are we we can come up with some clear goals, and because they're new, they're fresh. There's a sense of novelty. There's a something about them that can mean we buy into them, and we. We, we seem to have some resources within us that help us organize and structure and push life into the places so that we can do what we would need to do and get done. And we can achieve a lot in that in that, in that that first phase. Weight loss can feel like it's coming a lot quicker. You know, the, there's, the, the, the metabolism hasn't necessarily quite settled into um, dealing with the day-to-day journey of the calorie deficit. Um, there may be a bit of water loss, etc., or adjusting as we're getting a significant calorie de- deficit. We can carry a higher deficit in terms of energy in, energy out at the beginning. Not necessarily advisable for any great length of time, but can be useful at the beginning of a, of a, a journey. Uh, Elaine, who was on the podcast a few uh, good few episodes ago, talked about how she was pretty much like this, where the first what, three to three and a half stone came off really quickly from from her view in the first three months. Uh, It was the last bit, which is the later phases, that kind of started to crank down in terms of the time taken, the effort, etc. Although it's all hard. It's it's, it's degrees of effort. So anyway, that first period is characterised by about those things. But if it's your second or third time round, it may also be factoring in things like the self-cabotage, the beating up, the past evidence that you can call upon quite easily about, well, you'll only fail, you've done this, you've been here before, it didn't work, etc. So we might have to deal with that as well. So those things tie into that very definitive phase of, of kind of just getting going and getting moving and then getting the momentum going and learning what habits work. What, how do we pull on those four levers that I talked about last week and, and pull on them as best we can in the best way and sort of learning what works. And if we're doing it sustainably rather than perhaps the old way, which is just follow a rigid diet until it doesn't work or can't hold it anymore, we're tweaking, we're changing, we're moving, we're working, we're learning flexibility, we're learning about ourselves and we're, we're trying to tackle the old rigid mindsets that perhaps would have worked for a certain length of time, but ultimately fail us. So that's what that's characterized. 
Now, if we can get through that, then it's inevitably the middle phase. And it doesn't have to be characterized by hitting a particular weight point, but it's that point where things may start to level out. The pace of weight loss changes, slows right down. And that in itself can be a chance to get over because we can have high expectations of ourselves and yet that can shift and change. And we can feel like, what am I doing wrong? What's going wrong? Why am I not? What's this? And, and, and we need to start to negotiate the shifting ground and terrain of our mind as we our expectations, perhaps unrealistic, or that have been buoyed by that initial success in the beginning, start to meet the reality of a body that's starting to go, hold on a minute, we're gonna be going like this for any length of time, man. We're gonna this is not sustainable, this is not good for survival. That that evolved instinct to manage and protect ourselves from starvation. So that as your body and your mind start to powerfully set up and adapt to it and potentially a resist if we're too extreme in our calorie deficit. We need to start to navigate that and to settle in for the grind. And the middle one is, I guess, characterized by a longer grind. Perhaps motivation and willpower is not what it was. Remember last week I talked about what motivation and willpower being the first gear. We're not going to drive the whole journey in that, otherwise we'll burn out. We need to find other things, other things that will support that cellular environment, our well-being architecture, as I talk about, the community we have around the activities we do, the socializing, how do we design our home environment, meals, fridge, layout, that kind of thing, to support the long haul here. That's what we're talking about here. And that takes a different shift in mindset, particularly if we're impatient and we, you know, or we've got such a long way to go. We f this is probably a phase that we don't really want to do. We want to get through as quick as possible. And ironically, that's the exact opposite we need to do is just button down, get our head into the long game. So that middle ground is characterized by that. And I, I, I kind of summarize it as the grind. <laughs> Now, if we then move through that, we get to what I call the final stone. And that's, it, it doesn't have to be tied around the way, but the point of that is that like, we can see the finish line. We've come so far and perhaps fallen off, got back on. We've dealt with obstacles, setbacks and all this. We've learned a lot, but it's really slowing up now. We're getting to the point where the body just seems to be actively resisting and saying, stuff this, you're not losing any more weight or whatever. You know, There's a lot of resistance psychologically, emotionally and physically, seemingly, because the journey it's gone on for so long, the body's just just doesn't seem to want to lose that shift, that last stone or whatever it is. It's a, I mentioned it before, but you, it's like when I did the North Run, I've done it a couple of times where you run along the coastline, you can see the finish line in the distance, but as you run along, it just doesn't seem to get any closer. And that psychological, it, it plays with your head. And that's where this brings out the grind into how do I just keep that going and keep the faith, keep going and just keep twist tweaking and adapting and and fine tuning the things I'm already doing maybe add in more things as I've embedded my level of activity and exercise I've got to a level of fitness it's a great what can I do just to add or enhance that or am I doing something overdoing one bit doing a bit of less or you know focusing on something I'm not doing maybe I haven't done enough strength training through so build a bit of that in because that's going to be good for me uh, longevity and, and and general well-being as well as potentially contribute to um, the the body composition shifts. So that last phase in itself presents challenges. So the whole point of this is just to outline them as, as my rough thinking, I guess, in terms of it and, and how it's useful to sort of consider where am I at on the journey? Where have I been? I recognize this or you know, I'd love to be in that last phase, but recognizing that each one presents their challenges. Um, 
But knowing that gives you power, knowing that gives you the option to adapt, to tweak, but to prepare your head for that as well, your head and your heart. So anyway, just some thoughts on it. Let me know what you think about that, because I think it's, it's just a way of thinking about that and what might the challenges be and what tactics, tools and tips and approaches can I use for that? So I think that's probably it for this episode. I think that's a fair bit to, to chuck at you. A couple of uh, simpler questions and uh, that one is a biggie. Um, but hopefully that's been useful. Let me know your thoughts at dave at restlessmidlifer.com. Hope that's been useful. And uh, we'll catch you next week with an interview. Uh, and uh, take care. Thank you for listening. You'll find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at midlifereshape.com forward slash podcast. And it would mean so much if you could spread the word to your fellow restless midlifers. Share the show and links. And if you aren't already, subscribe to the show in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing. If you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting midlifereshape.com forward slash review. It would mean so much. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to production assistant Karen North of North VA and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers at musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can reshape your midlife health and rekindle that spirit of adventure.